1: Hey Josh. Hey Jimmy. What does Snoop Dogg need an umbrella for?
2: Uh, I don't know. For drizzle. But Woo. <laughs> I was like, is it going to have to do with the moon somehow? Cause Eldritch moon?
1: Oh. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> no song this time, just an awful joke I've heard over the, like, I don't know, past 15 years I've heard that joke. Anyway, how's it going, everybody? You are listening to The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong.
2: How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we have our Eldritch Moon set review! Woohoo! This is pretty sweet. This set, um, it might be the most powerful set for Commander since we've started the show. We always say, like, oh man, this set's great for Commander, but it just,
1: Wizard somehow keeps leveling up each time.
2: I mean, this set is very powerful in general, but specifically for our format, it's... Yeah. I think... I mean, I don't have, like, empirical data, so I could be wrong, but it feels like this set is very, very powerful for Commander, specifically.
1: Yeah, and there are a couple of cards in here that when we read them, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna go, like, no way. Uh, And I think, Josh, you already know what cards I'm talking about. I think Um, I do. But before we get into it, we wanted to let you all know that we, as a show, are sponsored very newly and freshly by Card Kingdom. You can check them out at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. I'm going to talk about the physical retail store here for a little bit. Every time I go back to Seattle, I make it a goal to stop by Card Kingdom at least once. It is by far the best game store I've ever had the pleasure of going inside of. It's got wood floors. There's a cafe attached to it that sells beers and food, and it's called Cafe Mox for uh, Magic. Um, and it is incredible. They have their whole warehouse upstairs, and that's where they do all their shipping of their cards and stuff. But in terms of, like, going to a store and having a good experience, Card Kingdom, like, understands what it means to be a game store in 2016. And it's, it's by far one of the reasons why it's my favorite, and I'm so happy that it's a Seattle-based store because every time I go home, I get to go check it out.
2: Yeah, I'm actually hoping to visit when we're up there for PAX.
1: Ooh, wow, that's like another announcement packed into
2: one, isn't it? Yes, yes, we will be at PAX. It's official, uh, very exciting, and I've seen all the pictures of Card Kingdom. It looks like an amazing place to hang out. I'm really excited to go check it out when we're there. Yeah, and you can just like pick up a board game to rent for free, go to a table, play with
1: friends. They have a lot of magic events there as well. Um, not to mention, of course, they also have a very large store, and they're incredibly good at shipping um, and getting cards to you very quickly. And because of that... Two prizes have already been sent out to two of our winners for the Keys to the Kingdom giveaway.
2: Josh, what's that? The Keys to the Kingdom is the contest that we're doing with Card Kingdom. We're giving out three packs of Eternal Masters every single day for 16 days. Currently, as we record this, we're on day four. So while you're hearing it, there'll still be a few days left, probably like five or six. You just go to Twitter, you follow us. We're at Command Cast, and each day we have a very simple way that you enter to win the three packs. The uh, winners are always chosen at random, and usually you just have to retweet something we've tweeted or answer a simple question, and at the end of each day, we choose one winner, and then Card Kingdom sends three packs of Eternal Masters to that person. Very exciting.
1: Uh, and Card Kingdom, like, I have forwarded the emails, and it's like, okay, they're out. Wait, wait what do you mean they're out? Like, yeah, they're, they're shipped out.
2: It's like, yeah. whoa, awesome. In fact, so today, today is day four, so on day one was two, was Tuesday. This is Friday. Mm-hmm. And the winner from day one already got their packs, opened them, sent us the picture. They got it in a foil Brago. It's pretty cool. And oh, Card sick. Kingdom just demonstrating how fast their shipping really is. Yeah, so if you guys want to support the show, you can actually go visit Card Kingdom using our affiliate link. It's just cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. So make sure you guys check that out. And make sure to go on to Twitter, follow us at CommandCast for a chance to win the keys to the kingdom. That being three packs of EMA. Yeah. In total, two whole boxes of
1: Eternal Masters. It's our biggest giveaway yet in terms of value, so it's very exciting, and anyone can participate, just follow us on Twitter.
2: One other thing you could try uh, to—or not try, you actually should probably be doing—is pre-ordering your Eldritch Moon product. Jimmy, Eldritch Moon, you've got more experience with it at this point when you're hearing this than anyone else— yeah, I cracked many packs of it. I will have drafted it
1: at this point, and I will have played in the Eldritch Moon pre-release pre that Loading Ready Run is hosting, or ho- has hosted. Uh, you can probably check out the VODs of it on their Twitch channel and on YouTube. Um, you know, I just won the whole thing, not a big deal. <laughs> I hope. I'm assuming. I mean, my deck is weird. It's like Obzon that's splashing for Sigarda from uh, uh from the last set. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I mean, I-, I have Tree of Perdition in there, so I'm hoping to you know, hit people for seven at some point to take them from 20 to
2: 13. And then just, yeah, that, that makes then, sense. No, actually, you want to turn them to 13 life, or wait, you don't yeah. want to hit them first, because then you'll no, no, just... No, no, yeah, yeah. You got to perdition wait. them first.
1: Yeah. If I have perdition in my opening hand, I said this for the deck tech, I just don't have to do anything. I don't need to worry about attacking. I don't need, I just need to worry about maintaining my life total, because I know at a certain point, I can just tree perdition them and make them lose seven life immediately, which is pretty sweet.
2: I like this plan. I'm happy to be part I like of it. this plan as well.
1: Yeah, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, it should
2: be a lot of fun. It'll be your first look at Eldritch Moon before the actual pre-release, which is going to be this weekend. I'm a little bummed because this is going to be the first pre-release I'm probably going to miss um, in a couple of years. But oh, I'm no. going to be in Hawaii, so. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> if you're going to miss it, that's a decent reason. Yeah. Uh, which it's also good... means that there's no video of us this week because, Jimmy, you're in Victoria because that's where Loading Ready Run is. I'm yep. still back in L.A. And there won't be any video of us next week because I'll be in Hawaii and Jimmy will be back in L.A. And by, vi- by video, I mean just our actual faces like we've had the last two uh, episodes. We will still have the normal videos that, you know, the old style, quote unquote, that we used to do mm-hmm. on YouTube where you can see all the cards as we're talking about them. So definitely go check us out on YouTube. Terry, our editor, does a great job there. Yeah, and make sure to let us know if you like the video
1: as well. If you'd like to have the three angles more than just the one, et cetera, et cetera. We're always trying to refine our process and get good feedback from you guys. So please let us know. Okay. All right, let's jump into it. Eldritch Moon, set review. So like usual, we do not talk about every single card. We would be here for eight hours. Just (laughs) the ones that jump out to us as Commander players as particularly good. And we're going to skip a lot of the quote-unquote more obvious cards, like cards that we just know are, you know, oh, yes, duh, that's a zombie tribal card. You should put that in your deck. Um, We're going to really focus on the ones that we can speak more about so that we can spend more time talking about those and not saying things that are kind of just immediately obvious about certain cards.
2: Right. Uh, We're going to start with the new mechanics. So the first new mechanic we talked about a couple episodes back in the Bruin Brazella episode, it's Meld. Meld is when a card wants another card to be on the battlefield, and then when you either activate Meld or sometimes Meld triggers, you flip both cards over and they become one card, basically. Yeah. It's kind of like build-your-own Voltron
1: craziness. Uh, all of the cards so far turned into giant creatures, Uh, and there's only three in the set one at mythic rare level one uh, mythic and rare and then one at rare and then one at common so we talked about this with brazella voice of nightmares Uh, it's an interesting mechanic it's pretty crazy it's the first time we've ever really seen this and it's also going to be playable as well because before
2: it was just in the unsets right it was big furry monster this is actually real cards you can put in your deck and you can pull this off i'm excited to see and hear the stories about the meld mechanic in particular yeah, I really want to see someone play Brazella in EDH as well. So
1: let me know if you guys build a deck for that. The next, the next mechanic. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's Emerge. So Emerge is thematically the Eldrazi emerging onto the scene at, in Estrad. And it basically is an alternate casting cost that gets you a discount by letting your Eldrazi Abominations burst forth uh, by sacrificing your other creatures. So, a card will have a CMC of something like 8 mana in the top, but it'll also say Emerge 5 blue blue. And that means you can cast this spell by sacking a creature, and then you pay the Emerge cost reduced by that creature's converted mana cost. So, if the Emerge cost is 5 blue blue, and the creature cost 4 in the blue, hit cmc is five so you actually just end up playing blue blue plus sacrificing the creature to get something out onto the battlefield um obviously a very powerful mechanic there aren't that many emerge cards in the set but from the ones that we've seen they're all really cool and we'll talk about them in a little bit um hopefully this is something that they keep doing because you know we're edh players we like to cheat costs so it 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 it's promising to be something really interesting if they if they keep with the mechanic and have it show up in other sets
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a cost-reduction mechanic. We know, we say it all the time, uh, cheating of mana cost one of the most broken things you can do, probably the single most broken thing you can do in the game of Magic. We have a lot of options available to us in Commander as far as getting creatures out whose CMC doesn't represent the cost we actually paid for them. You know, like in Standard, most of the Delve cards are now rotated out, but we still have cards like that. So you might get a Tasigur out but only pay, you know, Two mana for it, but then sack it and actually get, you know, five mana for the emerge creature. There's a whole bunch of, there's a whole slew of creatures that um, work this way. You know, you you sort of cheat out, but their casting cost is very high. And so it seems like definitely something that's going to be breakable in our format. Yeah, certainly.
1: Work this way.
2: (laughs) Uh, The last new mechanic is Escalate. Escalate comes on cards that are modal. So there'll be a card, and it'll say, choose one. Um, Actually, I don't think choose one is the wording, but it'll have... Choose one or more is usually what it says. And so what happens is for each um, choice you make beyond the first, you pay the Escalate cost. So let's say that the cost is like one in a red, uh, but it has Escalate two, and then it has one, two, three, four different choices. You could actually... Say, I want to do every single thing that's possible with this card, and for each one beyond the first, you just pay the two extra mana. So Escalate, depending on the card, will have different Escalate costs. Some of them have, like, the Escalate cost is tap one of your creatures. So, you know, there's three choices. Say, you you pay the mana cost, and then you want to do the other two choices. You just tap two of your creatures. So Escalate, a very interesting mechanic. Modal cards we know, very powerful because versatility is so strong in EDH. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll talk about a couple of those cards
1: as well. But yeah, the ability to pick and choose sort of what you want to do is, of course, very powerful in EDH. So let's move on. There are a bunch of new legendary creatures in this set, which means new possibilities at Commander, and that's very exciting. We've already talked about a few of these. If you guys want to hear about Gisela the Broken Blade, Bruno the Fading Light, and Emrakul the Promised End, we talked about those, I think it was two episodes ago now? Yep. Yep. So just make sure you guys check that episode out for a much more in-depth breakdown of those of those creatures. We won't talk about them as much here. Uh, the first one up though is Ishkana Graph Widow. It is a green and a black spider, so it is uh, counts as green and black. It's four in a green for a three-five legendary creature spider with reach, and it has delirium. So when Ishkana Graph Widow enters the battlefield, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, put three one-two green spider creature tokens with reach onto the battlefield. And there is an activated ability for six in the black target opponent loses one life for each spider you control. Um, so this is a possibility. You know this could uh, go in a Gitrog deck, for example, because he's also green and black. Correct. Um, it looks like it's green, but because there is a black activated cost in its uh, description
2: in the the box below, it means it's also black. Right. So it can. Yeah, exactly. And if Ishkana was your commander, then your deck is green and black. You have access to black, not just green. Yeah. This card's really sweet, really, really fun. Opens up a whole bunch of possibilities for spider tribal. There's obviously a whole bunch of cards that already create lots of spiders. Stuff like spider spawning, arachnogenesis. And notice the ability on Ishkana says pay six and a black. Target opponent loses one life for each spider you control. So it doesn't care where those spiders came from uh ishkana if you have delirium makes three more also as a spider so even with no other spider creation it'll it's seven mana do four damage to somebody which is not yeah. gr- not great but it's something right and if you can do like an arachnogenesis and create 10 or a spider spawning and make even more then all of a sudden you could be on like a two activation kill you type of deal Yeah, and Arachnogenesis can also pump out a
1: ton. Notably, the Arachnogenesis Spider Tokens are the same as the ones Ishkana makes. You can also have Doubling season in your deck in Second Harvest, and this can be legitimately a win condition if you just have enough mana to activate it and kill multiple players by draining them for 20 or 30, you know, however much.
2: Yeah, and I like you mentioning Gitrog because Gitrog wants to do similar things as Ishkana because Ishkana wants to have Delirium. So Self-Mill is a really good thing with Ishkana. Self-Mill is really good uh, with Gitrog. So it's just those things synergize pretty well. I could see Gitrog just going in the Ishkana deck, even if, you know, it's mostly spider tribal stuff. Um, I like this card a lot. It's really exciting. I know a lot of people are excited to just have another legendary tribe that we haven't, you know, you haven't had a legendary spider to build around. So, Yeah, here you go. All Very right, the exciting. next the next legendary creature we're going to talk about is, we did talk about this card, but not, I don't think we talked about it as a, sort of front man lead singer for the deck it's yeah it's thalia heretic cathar front woman in this case front woman lead singer lead singer uh two and a white for a three two legendary creature human soldier with first strike it says creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped oof this one really hurts you josh this is this card's very very good but yes i'm very torn because it has a slightly blood moonish effect although it's not bad it's just it puts you a turn behind when your non-basics enter um i mean a and, lot of them already do enter tapped like the cons lands and all that totally but totally a true. lot of them don't as well <laughs> yeah and then and then your opponent's creatures also enter the battlefield tapped which is a very very powerful effect i've talked many times about Blind Obedience and that type of effect and how it's much stronger than you think it is once you have it out. It turns off basically all haste um, type stuff, which is some of the more powerful win conditions in a lot of deck is just being able to create a bunch of things with haste and attack you before you can respond. So it gives you that one turn window where you can board wipe or you can use your sorcery speed stuff. So Thalia feels really, really good. Also, it only costs three mana, so you're going to get your commander out pretty early. Uh, and so you're going to get your commander out early and you're going to slow everybody else down. So their stuff's going to come out later. It feels like this could be a decent mono white, um, commander.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think people underestimate how powerful the ability is because it's like, oh, whatever sure. It puts us a turn behind. It's like, it really puts you really far behind if you're looking to cast something big and the land that you play is non-basic or whatever. Or if you have something like Azusa on the battlefield and you're trying to play a lot of lands, they're all coming in tapped. Yeah, uh, not not good times, obviously.
2: And think about fetch lands. We talked about this last episode where is if you play a fetch land and your opponent has Thalia out, well, all of a sudden your fetch land comes into play tapped. And then if you fetch for a land that's not basic, so you fetch for a shock land or a dual land or, or a have land. Uh, They're unable to come in untapped. Yes. So you you basically, a fetch land basically sets you back two turns, uh, not just one, which is kind of crazy. Yeah pretty good card comes out in turn three um
1: maybe even sooner obviously so the card is great uh and i think it's just even if you don't play it as your commander it's definitely a card that i think you can run in a lot of decks that want to do staxy kind of things yeah
2: derevi for sure is like salivating to put this card in the deck yeah also notably it only affects your opponents it doesn't affect you so this land coming into play tap thing creatures that's not for you it's just your opponent's Yeah, not to mention, like, this
1: makes a huge effect later in the game when people are trying to play really big, significant things. Like, someone tries to drop
2: Kiki-Jiki. Oops, sorry, can't combo off this turn. Yeah, that is actually huge, because it's always going to give you that chance to respond to the Kiki rather than just get blown out by it all in one turn. Yep.
1: All right, next up, we have a fan favorite of Gisa and Garolf, two a Blue and the Black Legendary Creature Human Wizard. It's a 4-4, or I guess they're a 4-4, when Gisa and Garolf enter the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. And during each of your turns, you may cast a zombie creature card from your graveyard. So this is just a its a zombie tribal deck right here. Gisa and Garolf want to take the zombie cards in your graveyard, creature cards that is, and allow you to cast them one at a time each turn. Uh, it's pretty powerful. It just means you have extra card draw and your hand size is bigger for zombie creature cards that are in your graveyard when Gisa and Garolf are on the battlefield. Um, overall, though, this is not, I don't think, the most powerful commander.
2: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, Caridor is basically this, but for all creatures, right? Caridor he just also says, gets cheaper to play with them in the
1: yard, which is yeah, good. Yeah, true. But the
2: effect of, like, casting creature cards from your graveyard is something that Carador does, but Caridor doesn't care if it's a zombie or not. Of course, Car- Caridor doesn't have blue, right? So yeah. So, I mean... Giza and Geralf are, are, you know, they're cards people want to play, and having them both on the same card is pretty cool. And Zombie Tribal, this is a, a decent card for it. Yeah, I don't, I know people are really excited about it. I don't think this is even necessarily the best Zombie Tribal commander yeah. pair. I mean, it's it's a good one, and you could definitely do it. And definitely, Caridor in general feels better. It's three colors. Carador has a cost reducing effect on itself. And it allows you to cast any creature from your graveyard. So it's just like you get a on Gisa and Gerald. You just get a bunch of um, what's the word conditions that have to be met that aren't you know that you just don't even have with Carador. Now I know for a flavor thing, obviously this is great.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, Grimgrin is my ideal
2: zombie commander for blue and black. He's just so much cooler. I think. Yeah, but just you know, not as naturally value oriented. So maybe if you want to play that style a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. This this card is good. It's fun. Uh, I, I don't think it's, like, inherently broken or super powerful. Agreed with that.
1: Um, Ulrich of the Krallen Horde. Now, this one's interesting. Uh, everyone was sort of up in arms about this. Everyone was clamoring for a legendary werewolf, and we finally have it. Check it out. Look at that. We got a werewolf. Uh, it's 3 red and green gruel uh, for a 4-4. Whenever this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Ulrich of the Krellin Horde, target creature gets plus 4, plus 4 until end of turn. And at the beginning of each cup keep, if no spells were cast last turn, you transform him, and he flips over uh, to become Ulric uncontested alpha. He just gets really yoked. Super, super buff. <laughs> uh, and whenever this creature transforms into Ulrich uncontested alpha, you may have it fight target non-Werewolf creature you don't control. And then the other normal werewolf phrase is that at the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, you transform him. So the cool thing about this is that there, there are transform triggers on both sides. Um, Ulrich, when he does transform, just usually ends up killing something uh, because he's a 6-6 six, six, and he just smacks into something else. Anything that's smaller than that will die immediately. Mm-hmm. And then when it goes to the other side, it buffs a creature for plus 4, plus 4, which is kind of cool.
2: Yeah, this card, I understand why people are disappointed. I'm a little disappointed myself, even though I wasn't one of the people that were like, we have to have a legendary werewolf right now. Um, It feels like sort of like they were like, fine, here you go. Because the thing we really wanted was a werewolf that did something to do with other werewolves, right? That made the rest of the werewolves playable in Commander. Like made it so that you could control somehow when they transform or buffed all your werewolves or just said, you know, something about for each werewolf in play, or, or something like that. Yeah, we already have that uh, flash enchantment from uh,
1: Shadows of I forget yeah, the name. Howl of the yeah, Howl
2: of the Wolf Pack.
1: Yeah, Howl of the Wolf Pack. But yeah, we were looking for a lord specifically, which means someone that gives all of your uh, werewolves plus one, plus one,
2: or et cetera. Um, yeah, I think even just that would have been fine. Or something that says all of your werewolves, they transform immediately when they come into play. There's the, what is that? I think it's Gaia Reach Bandit or something that, that does that, but it's not a legendary creature, so you can't play it as your commander. But that type of effect was something that I think, you know, people wanted to be able to play a werewolf deck. I don't know if Ulrich, Ulrich uh, allows that. Yeah, uh, Gaia Reach Bandit turns into
1: the Vilden Pack Alpha, which just says anytime a werewolf enters the battlefield under the control, you may transform it. Now, there is a common card in this set that just automatically transforms a werewolf for you, which is kind of cool. Uh, so there's... I mean, there, there, I mean, you know that Wizards wants to support the tribal sort of things, like Waxing Moon is the name of the card, by the way. But you know, I think they, they needed to be more conservative in general with the first creature than anything else. I mean, look at the original Legendary creatures. They weren't anything special, but you could play them as commanders. Um, I think if they continue to make worlds in the future, we'll see newer and cooler versions, maybe even in commander product and stuff. So maybe not right now, but soon.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can't help but being a little disappointed. It's fine. The I heard a funny joke made by Jason Alt on brainstorm brewery, which is mm-hmm. so Ulrich Ulrich starts as Ulrich of the Crowlin Horde. Then when you flip him over, he becomes Ulrich uncontested alpha, but the uncontested alpha's ability is to fight another creature. It's true. He should be uncontested, right? He should be contested because he's clearly contesting as soon as he flips into (laughs) the quote-unquote uncontested alpha. Makes a lot of sense. He's still the alpha though, so. Yeah, he's just contested. He has to fight to
1: prove it right away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Those are our legendary creatures. Uh, we did not talk about Emrakul, the Promised End, Gisela, the Broken Blade, and Bruna, the Fading Light. If you guys want to hear more about those, and of course, Brizella, Two episodes, look in the past. We talk a lot about them and uh, whether or not we think those cards are good or not and how to use them. Spoiler alert, Emrakul, very, very good. Very good. In fact, uh, someone opened up an Emrakul in their pool at the pre-pre-release oh. and got Delirium very quickly and got to eight mana very quickly, and I just sat there being like, if they have Emrakul the game is immediately over. Yeah, you're just dead. There's There's uh, literal nothing you can do. There's one
2: card in the set that answers it. We'll talk about that. Well, there's, of course, some counterspells as well, but yeah, exactly. Well, counterspell doesn't do it, but there's one particular counterspell that does it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, All right. Yeah, let's talk about the new Planeswalkers in the set. There are two. The first is Liliana, the Last Hope. Liliana is kind of the headliner of this entire set. Liliana is... Raising a gajillion zombies in the trailer to fight Emrakul, the Gatewatch has convinced her. Or, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to go too into story. I'll let you wa- uh, listen to flavor fail for that. But she's made <laughs> some sort of deal where she's part of the Gatewatch now. Um, I'm assuming it's part of some deeper plot by Liliana. Anyway, she costs uh, one and black, black. She has three loyalty. Her plus one is. Up to one target creature gets negative two, negative one uh, until your next turn. Her minus two is put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So it doesn't have to be one of the cards that you milled. Um, It can be any creature card that's in there. And then her negative seven is you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step put X 22 two zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield where X is two plus the number of zombies you control. So you can see how this is sort of like cumulative upkeep in that, <laughs> in that if you have, if the first time you do it, if you have no zombies, you'll get two. The next time you'll get four, the next time you'll get six, the next time you'll get eight, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a little bit like assemble the Legion, except for they can't get rid of it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. She's a three-loyalty Planeswalker. Ah, she's nothing close to Liliana of the Veil. Vale. What do you think, Jimmy? I think she's fine. Uh, yeah. I
1: think for Standard, she's going to be great. I think for EDH, she is playable. So her plus one isn't that relevant in a Planeswalker or Super Friends deck. If she comes down with a doubling season in play, she's only going to get to six. Um, yep. I think the her minus two is the best. So if you're in like a black deck and you want to regrow a creature card, or you know you're purposely milling stuff, and Liliana comes down for three mana, you can regrow a card into your hand at sorcery speed, which seems pretty powerful. And in general, I found that planeswalkers that actually aren't as powerful tend to just slip by a lot more. People don't have
2: the urgency that they're like, we have to kill that right now, it will kill us.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or it's or it's like that eh, it wasn't that annoying, right? Like if you bring a card back to your hand and you can't cast it that turn, then no one's going to be looking at you, glaring at you, because it's like cool. You just you have a card in your hand that we know about. Um, whereas with uh, the other Liliana, like if she makes everyone sacrifice a creature and someone's playing Voltron, they're not gonna like you. You know. So right. that is a card that has to go for them. So uh, I I like this card. I think it's very flavorful. Obviously, the ultimate is powerful,
2: um, but. rarely i think you're going to really get there well and the ultimate's also not one that just wins you the game like a lot of commanders so if you ultimate you're still like what four turns if ever you know depending if you have a zombie deck it's obviously gonna be faster but it could very easily be like you make two zombies everyone's like so you make four zombies so so you make six zombies okay it's starting to get a little scary make eight zombies okay that's bad but that's yeah, four exactly. turns later, you know, you, there's not very many Planeswalkers where you ultimate and then people can just chill for four turns and not worry about it. Um, <laughs> and also, I will say that if your negative ability is the best ability on a Planeswalker, I would want to be able to do that twice. And she comes in with three loyalty and her negative's negative two. So you're, you know, if you're going to, your plan is player negative two, get a card back basically break even for cards and now what Mm -hmm. she's at one loyalty you gotta plus her twice to to do it again or at least plus her once and then you get you've sort of made a divination slowly out of it uh yeah i don't actually think it's very good for commander it's again it's fine it's it's a it's recurrable value so all planeswalkers are going to be decent but they also tend to make people attack you because You know, if you've got a 2-2 flyer and you're looking around the table and it's like, well, I can just kill that Planeswalker, I may as well. Yep, there's no reason
1: not to. Uh, And oftentimes people forget to just do it. But yeah, I would rather play a card like Frex and Reclamation if you're just trying to get creature cards back to your hand in black.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's going to do it, it's going to be harder to get rid of and also it's not going to paint a huge target on you. Yeah, it's
1: instant speed, all sorts of good things. Um, Yeah, so Liliana's okay, uh, but she is blanked by another card, another Planeswalker in the set, the only other one it's Tamio, Field Researcher this one's a little bit better <laughs> We've, we have created the greatest Tamio that has ever existed I'm pretty sure, uh, this card is absurd it's one green, white and a blue, so Bant, four mana total, for a four loyalty Planeswalker her plus one choose up to two target creatures until your next turn whenever either of those creatures deals combat damage, you draw a card her minus two, tap up to two target non-land permanents. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. And her minus seven, draw three cards. You get an emblem with, you may cast non-land cards from your hands without paying their mana cost. So there is a card in Magic Oof. that already does that. Uh, it would be
2: Omniscience. Uh, I think Brian Kibler said it best. Just in case Omniscience wasn't enough, we'll just throw an Ancestral Recall in there.
1: Yeah, right? You get to draw three cards on top. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this card is ridiculous. Let's talk about her plus one right now. She can target any creature on the battlefield. So if you know a creature that your opponent has is going to attack someone and deal combat damage, guess what? You can plus one her on that creature, and you get to draw a card when they deal damage, maybe not even to you.
2: Yeah, and you get to do it to up to two target creatures. And also it says until your next turn. So if you have a creature with vigilance, Mm -hmm. you can attack, draw the card, and then if anybody attacks you, you can block draw the card oh cuz it says combat damage it doesn't say to a player yeah that's the big one it just says
1: combat damage so it can be you can just literally send it into something and have it bounce off a wall and you'll still draw a card
2: off it this seems really good in standard because of sylvan advocate um i i think that the plus one's just super powerful because it very you know if your deck is built to take advantage of it you can very easily i mean this is a turn 4 play you know it costs 4 mana um, if you play it on turn four and you do have a creature, almost always in a game with four or more players, you're just going to have a free attack against somebody. Yeah, totally. Just because people don't usually get out three drops. Three drops are usually Chromatic Lantern in our format. You know, some. T- I'm not saying always, but ve- it's very rare that on turn four you look around and every single person has a creature. And by the way, her minus two just shuts down stuff
1: like a Gilded Lotus or any other sort of large mana rock that someone's looking to untap and go off with. Let's say someone cast a bunch of stuff, and then had a Gilded loss at the end. You can actually slow them down significantly, tapping up to two different target non-lane permanents. They can belong to two different players with a minus two. Pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, it basically removes two things for t- for a turn and a half or two turns. Um, yeah, Sometimes I, that's enough. Yeah, and that ability is very usable. It's not an ability that you're just never going to use. Um, it, I'd say plus plus one's probably more likely to happen, but, you know, obviously... I mean, you could do things like if somebody plays a Nev's disc, you can just keep it down for a couple extra turns. You know that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. Oh yeah! Holy crap! Um, and then her ultimate is very, very, very powerful, and it's a negative seven, and she starts with four, lo- four loyalty, so it is doubling seasonable.
1: Jeez, Louise! Yeah, that's. I, the p- I
2: always look for that when the Planesword comes out. Yes. Can you doubling season with it immediately? Yeah, if you can ultimate, and the ultimate's very powerful, and you basically can say, if I have doubling season out, I can ultimate immediately, that makes the Planeswalker, you know, two or three times better than it would otherwise be, especially if the Planeswalker's in green, which this one is. Um Yep. I mean, yep. this is a
1: 100% going into any band deck I have, definitely my Planeswalker deck. So this card is just very good, I think, overall. Every single ability is very relevant. You're definitely going to be able to draw some cards off of this. I mean, like, even if they swing at Tamio and try and kill her, you get to draw
2: cards, which is great. Yeah, it's it's very, very strong. Um, I don't know if it goes in every deck. I'm definitely not putting it in my uh, rune flicker deck. But, oh, right. Uh, again, Darivi loves this card. Uh, I don't know. Your flicker deck, because can it untap... Oh, no, it's combat damage, because I was going to say, Tim could just go nuts. Yeah, if it wasn't, then that kind of thing. Well, the Tim deck wouldn't want it either, but um yeah. yeah, I mean it's very, very good. Don't get me wrong. It's very good. I like it. I like it a lot. Hope to open more. I like it a lot. I like it
1: a lot. A la a la lot, a lot. Uh let's talk about the meld cards in the set. Now we've already talked about brazella Bruna, and Gisela. Uh the next one though, uh, is pretty interesting. It is the Hanware Arriving Township. And by the way, Josh, you hundred percent called it. Um Josh was like, uh, is, this a th- is this a meld card, this giant handware of the Writhing Township? And turns out, yes, yes it is. Uh, so. Yeah, well, we all get lucky sometimes, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so one of them is a land, and you tap three red, red, and tap it to, if you own this card as well as the handwear garrison, then you can transform it into the Writhing Township. That land also has an ability which you tap red and then tap it to give a target creature haste until end of turn. Which is pretty powerful too. I would just play that land by itself, even without the other thing. Well, um, it
2: also taps for for diamond mana. So yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's called Handveer Battlements. Yeah, and then the Handveer Garrison is two in red for a two-three human soldier that, when it attacks, you put two one-one red human creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. So she's a very aggressive card. But when you flip it. It becomes Hanver, the Riding Township, a 7-4 legendary creature Eldrazi ooze with Trample and Haste, and whenever it attacks, he put two 3-2, 3-2 colorless Eldrazi horror creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking for a total of 13 power, coincidentally.
2: Yeah, this card is really good, and I like that each piece is very playable. So like you said, Hanver battlements, it taps for colorless, it also can give a creature Haste. That card is playable. Even if you're not planning to meld it, and then Henry yeah. Garrison is a three mana two three. That's sort of like a Goblin Rabble Master because when it attacks, it puts two more one ones onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Uh, that's a little bit not as good in our format, but still it's definitely playable because if you play on turn three, you're probably going to get two or three attacks out of it, which means you're going to get you know four extra one ones out of it. That's pretty good in a tokeny type deck. especially... Um, I, I can see it being, you know, being playable. It's not the strongest card ever in Commander on its own, but given that you can also sometimes meld it into this crazy seven-four trample, make three twos, two three twos when it attacks, and that's just big game right there. Yeah, agreed. Um, so. I think that
1: is pretty awesome. I love the idea of a giant building writhing towards you and squirting out Eldrazi left and right. Yeah. Um, well, the picture is, yeah, in your head yeah. is awesome. The picture is crazy. Um, I hate to to have it coming at me. Um, so the other meld card in the set is Midnight Scavengers and Graf Rats. and uh, Graffrats is uh, has no text. It's just a two mana two one that the text is just basically. Pairs with the Midnight Scavengers. Midnight Scavengers is a 4 in the black for a 3-3. When it enters the battlefield, you can return target creature card with CMC 3 or less from your graveyard to your hand. So you can actually get the Graffrats Rats back if you wanted to if they got to the graveyard somehow. And at the beginning of your combat step, they uh, exile themselves and meld into the chuttering Host if you control both, which is a 5-6 Haste Menace. And when it enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1, and gain Menace until end of turn. So very aggressive. Uh, wants to get in there. This also could be a game winner, depending on the deck that you're playing.
2: Yeah, I think it's it can serve a similar role to Craterhoof Behemoth. Obviously not as good, but fulfill that role of, like, once you are going wide enough, then all of a sudden it makes all your guys way hard to block, and they're a little bit bigger. Um, this is in black, no lessies as well. So. Yeah, so it's something you could get in mono black. It's interesting that each of the meld cards have sort of a slightly different timing of when you flip them. Gisella and Bruna do it, I believe, on your end step. Yep. Graf Rats and Midnight Scavengers are at the beginning of combat. And then Hanveer, the Writhing Township, actually is an activated ability on the land. So you sort of choose that one. Um, yeah, that's just an interesting part of the meld mechanic, I guess, is they decided not to go with like a standard werewolf style. This, this is th- when it happens. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know. This one, the Graf Rats, Midnight Scavengers, turn into the give-all-your-dude menace. I don't know if it's really that great How often, you know, for how often it's going to pull off. I guess Midnight Scavengers is sort of playable on its own because it's sort of a gravedigger.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if you're putting a 2-mana 2-1 rat in there and hoping you're going to draw both pieces of the puzzle and then you're going to have it transform in order to let all your creatures swing out... I think it's a little much to ask for. That's why we spent the entire episode on Bruno and Gisela talking about how to just get them into your hand or graveyard yeah. so that when you cast it, uh, you actually get to get the cards back into
2: play. I mean, you are in black, so your ability to tutor is better than any other color. But really, are you going to tutor for this? Like, <laughs> you know, you're going to be tutoring for, you know, I don't know, grave packs and like super awesome cards that, that are crazy, not a 2-1 rat and not a 3-3 that gets you back a converted mana cost three or less to your hand from your graveyard yeah i think you're right it's it's probably not the greatest yeah
1: anyway that is all it for the cards that are not colored uh, slash land slash multicolor slash artifacts so let's go and break it down uh, by color now Uh, this is always random so there's no sort of bias to starting with one color today we're starting with black and with the tree of perdition three in the black for a creature plant with that's a zero 13 defender very thematic you can tap it to exchange target opponent's life total with tree of perdition's toughness a lot of people sent this in as a combo with soul separator saying that you can make a one one spirit token that can exchange an opponent's life with this toughness to take their life essentially to one
2: which is hilarious i mean it's sweet with soul separator it's also sweet with Dectophobia because you set their life total to thirteen, and then they lose the game on your upkeep. Yeah, um, it's also you just you can time it to right before your upkeep. Yeah, it also just does twenty-seven damage. <laughs> like, like I don't care if you don't have that combo. If you tap it and somebody's at forty, and you take them to thirteen, that's crazy. Yeah, that's not like, to not to mention you can do it multiple times if you have Fate
1: Stitcher or some kind of untapping creature.
2: Yeah, or you even have, like, a, um, there's a bunch of artifacts that let you untap creatures that have tap abilities, or Staff of Domination, or there's a million cards that let you untap your creatures. I'm actually, just because of this card, thinking of uh, changing my Tim deck to five-colored it, because there's, like, there's a couple other black cards that have good tap abilities, Royal Assassin, Visara, that type of stuff. Um, so I was literally considering just increasing the Tim deck to 5 color just to put Tree of Perdition type shenanigans in there because it would be sweet to get tree of perdition out and then just tap it four times all in that same turn to put bring everybody to the 13 you're an evil man josh i like it (laughs) i like it gonna go five color for this tree of perdition that's how much i like it i don't know how good it actually is it's sort of like janky good but it's just so cool that i'm very excited about about
1: it in general 27 damage is nothing to scoff at, honestly. In a, in a limited game, in a normal game with 20 life, it's eh, not so great. But yeah, because it's only 7 damage there.
2: Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, this thing is a house, I think. But it's hard to pull off, right? Like, you have to tap it, and people just aren't generally going to let you do that. Yeah, and you have to like, you have to sneak it in, essentially. Yeah, and there's a bunch of cards that put people's life total to 10, But they also do other things, right? This puts you to 13, and it doesn't do anything else. Unless, of course, you can combo it with Soul Separator. There's some other cards you can combo with to sort of lower the tree's uh, toughness so you're doing more damage. But I think, you know, people are really excited, and rightfully so, but is it actually very, very good? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'll play it. Yeah, I want to make a Triska deck Phobia deck anyway. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Uh, The the next one is Crypt Breaker. It's one black for a creature zombie, 1-1. One, one. You pay one and a black, tap the Crypt Breaker, discard a card, put a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield, and you can also tap three untapped zombies you control, draw a card, and you lose one life. That's what I'm excited about. In a, in a zombie deck that is
1: tribal, just being able to instant speed tap three zombies to draw a card and lose a life, it, that's very powerful, I think.
2: And it synergizes super well with itself because you can use the discard ability to make the zombies that you can later tap to draw the cards. Yep. And then once you're drawing cards, you can sort of turn the lands that you draw that maybe you don't need into more zombies. Um, it's sort of a snowbally card. It's slow inevitability. I, again, I don't think it's amazing for Commander. It's, it's good, though, in a zombie deck. Also, it's a one-drop. And yeah. just having a viable card to play on one that does stuff for you is, ver- is very strong. I agree. Uh, I don't think too much has to be said about this card,
1: other than I, I do like it. I like the flavor of it, and I think if you're playing a zombie travel deck, you would not,
2: you would not want to not run this. There's a lot of knots in that sentence. You would not want to not think about not doing it unless yeah. you.
1: Man, you're twisting those words up into a knot right there, Josh.
2: <laughs> oh, very nice. very nice. Very uh, nice. Next up, we'll talk
1: about this card very quickly. Uh, I just put it on here because I think it's pretty, pretty powerful. Voldaren Pariah. It's a three black black vampire horror that's flyer for. That's a three three. And if you sack three other creatures, you can transform Voldaren Pariah. You can also madness this out for black black black. So if you discard your card, you discard it into exile, and then you can cast it for its madness cost, or it just goes to your graveyard. Now. When it flips over, you're like, wait, sack three creatures. Well, guess what? It becomes a 6 5 Eldrazi vampire with flying. And then when this creature transforms into Abolisher of Bloodlines, target opponent sacrifices three creatures. That can literally straight up destroy someone's entire board. There are yeah. so many times in EDH when someone just has three different creatures out there just doing so much work. And it's like, well, I can't, I don't have a board wipe and I can't point individual removal
2: at all three of them. Ugh. Yeah, this card is, is pretty sweet. Um, Designed actually by my friend John Stone, who I went to high school with and works. In oh, the really? Research. Yeah, he awesome. uh, Facebooked me about it and said I got another card that I designed, and I was like, "This card is sweet." Yeah, this card is really cool. Yeah, Sacking three creatures is big game, I think, in EDH. Yeah, and you're going to be in a deck where your three creatures are tokens or stuff that wants to go to the graveyard because you're in black. I mean, this is going to go into decks that are looking to sack their own creatures or don't care if their creatures die. And it's going to be used against decks that very much care if their creatures die. You know, things like Narset and Jaleva and things that are playing like Ulamogs and whatnot. Stuff that's hard to kill, but sack effects usually do well against them. This pairs really well with Cryptbreaker, which we just talked about, actually, because you
1: can discard uh, the Voldaren Pariah, play its madness cost, and then yep. using the zombies you made, sacrifice it to Voldaren Pariah, and then make someone stay pretty bad.
2: ka <laughs> ka Combo. All right, moving on to
1: White. Oh, boy, White. Whew, white's got some some heavy hitters here.
2: This is uh, the first card we're going to talk about is one of my picks for most powerful commander card in this set. I don't think it's number one, but it might be uh, it'll, in the right situation. Anyway, let me read it. It's still running. It's called Deploy the Gatewatch. It's four white, white for a sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. Put up to two Planeswalker cards from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. It's Collected Company, but for Planeswalkers, but there's a major difference between Collected Company and Deploy the Gatewatch in that Collected Company only allows three CMC or less. Deploy yeah. the Gatewatch, any CMC. So you Ugin. Look at, <laughs> you can get Ugin and Karn out with Deploy the Gatewatch. They, of course, have to be in the top seven cards in your library, but that's 15 mana worth of Planeswalker you'd get for six mana. Yeah, pretty powerful, uh,
1: not to mention we can stack our deck. This is EDH, of course. We'll do it all the time. So, yeah, this card, I think, has the potential to just be a game ender uh, if, you're just, if you have, like, a scroll rack in your deck.
2: Yeah, you have a scroll rack, you have a brainstorm. You're going to play it in a deck with a lot of Planeswalkers. You're probably going to, you know, not probably, but you very well could have Jace the Mind Sculptor who stacks the top of your deck. There's things like Sensei's Dividing Top. There's a million stack the top of your decks type cards. I mean, Narset already runs a lot of planeswalkers and those type of cards this feels very very breakable to me and if you get Karn and Ugin or I don't know Nicol Bolas and Ugin or even Elspeth and Karn you know on turn like you know and you power this out a turn or two early so if you get both of those out on turn four or five that's just game right there's a world where you can do this on turn three with like a Soul Rings up. and Mana Crypts and stuff, Mana Crypts yeah.
1: Mana and Mana Vaults, all that stuff, yeah. So, yeah, this card's are very powerful, obviously. If you have a Super Friends deck, uh, you don't even need to worry about density of, of Planeswalkers in your deck. You should never be using this, I think, unless you are able to stack the top of your deck because a 100-card deck and not knowing if you're going to get a Planeswalker, it's not worth it.
2: Yeah, and you probably need a pretty high density of Planeswalkers just so you'd also have two available to you either in your hand or near the top of your deck. So it's not playable in every deck, but if you've got a deck that's got twenty or so Planeswalkers, I think, and, and like you said, you have the uh, the deck stacking. Is there a name for cards that's that sort of stack the top of your deck? Oh, I don't know actually. Like it's tutors if you look through your whole deck, but what's it called if you stack the top? You know, like scroll rack. I don't know. Anyway, if you have usually those it's cards, usually just deck already, manipulation. Yeah, maybe that's it. Anyway, yeah. anyway, this card, yeah, under those circumstances, can be so powerful though.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up another very cool card, Sigarda's Aid. It's just an enchantment that costs white. It says you may cast aura and equipment spells as though they had flash, and whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. Whoa, that second part is nuts. That's crazy. This is this card is really, really crazy. Yeah. This is built for Voltron. This is built for EDH. This I mean a hundred I mean, I'm sure there's some constructed decks in modern maybe that want this, like boggles or something maybe, but like
2: equip costs are often the bane and why a lot of equipment just are bad yeah for sure because a lot of them have like great like you're like sweet if i could get it on my creature that's awesome but i don't want to pay four mana for that and then pay four mana to equip it this is yeah it gives them all flash and then it equips for free wow this card seems super 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 good yeah and the fact that you can do it
1: that flash speed so you can do something like oh, you know, the equipment that gives your guy Infect. uh, And then, you know, the end step and then be like, hey, guess what? I didn't even need to equip to like, I can hold up mana the entire time to have Counterspell or whatever because I didn't need to worry about tapping out to equip this card. I wasn't, you weren't able to get me at the sorcery speed equip of this card
2: to just immediately equip to my creature. So very powerful. um, Very, very powerful. Yeah, I like this card a lot. It's going to go into a ton of the Voltrani decks. It's it's good because I feel like the Voltrani decks have sort of been... They've been solved a little bit. Everyone has stuff in their deck to beat Voltron, and so Voltron needs a little bump. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the next one is Selfless Soul. Spirit, actually. We, uh, we, oh. we translated it a little incorrectly. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think it was in like Portuguese or something before, yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or Korean, and it got translated. So Selfless Spirit. It's one and a white for a 2-1 flying spirit cleric. Sacrifice Selfless Spirit. Creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Spirit Tribal, I'm telling you, Rattle Chains,
1: man, that card is just going to get better and better with these sets that are coming out.
2: Spirit Tribal is good, but I just think any token deck, any deck that's creature based and fears board wipes, this is a really cheap protection from board wipes. It's only two mana. Yeah. Before now, we've used Faith's Reward, we've used um, Soul of New Phyrexia, we've used. There's like Boros Charm, but you need to be in two colors. Like, you've had to. This effect you've really wanted and it's been hard to get for cheap, which sucks because then you have to hold up a whole ton of mana. This is only two mana and it's on board, so you can just play it and it'll just sit there and you can just happily make tokens and be like, you need two board wipes now.
1: Yeah, that's actually very cool. I, I like that too because it's a two-one, so you can even like, worst comes the worst. Let's say it's like, shoot, this guy's swinging in with his giant Voltron creature that's a flyer. Hey, I have a flyer now too.
2: Yeah, and when I say you need two board wipes, I mean, that doesn't even work on the same turn. Most board wipes are sorcery speed, so it would have to be like this guy board wipes, you use it, then the next turn the next guy board wipes. Yeah. Unless you have instant speed board wipes or Cyclonic Rift, which doesn't care about indestructible. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, yeah, I think this card's great. I, I,
1: again, any chance to just be like, hey, check it out. Everything is indestructible. Usually good. a Usually good thing. Yeah, pretty sweet. Um, now, the original translation we had for this next card, uh, so we were originally going to record before all the cards were spoiled and a lot of them were in different languages, uh, was Working Together, which I think <laughs> is a very funny name for a card that is, it's is—it's—it's Collective Effort is what it was translated to. <laughs> <laughs> which is a better name. But but I love but... Wor- Working Together, the magic card. Da-da-da-da-da. It's just like a, a daytime TV show or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the it's, theme song yeah it's a one white white sorcery uh and it has escalate so we talked about this uh to escalate it you pay the cost for each mode chosen beyond the first and to do that you tap an untapped creature you control so choose one or more the three modes are destroy target creature with power four or greater or destroy target enchantment or put a plus one plus one counter on each creature target player controls so very interesting um this card obviously is great in token decks, right? You can destroy an enchantment, a big creature, and then buff your entire team for the cost of three mana and two tokens. And tapping two, two yeah, creatures. Yeah, tapping two tokens, yeah.
2: It doesn't even have to be tokens. It could just be two right. creatures. I mean, you could be two uh, creatures. Yeah. It seems very, very powerful. These are all things you would want to do. Pump your whole team? Yep. Destroy an yep. enchantment? Yep. Destroy a creature with four or greater? Yep. And sometimes you're like, well, there's not a creature with power four or greater. Fine, I'll do the other two. Yeah. You know, the, there's not an enchantment? Okay. Finally, you you can do something with your Odrazi
1: spawn because they're just zero ones. Otherwise, you know, there's always going to be something, especially if you're running a token deck, which I think this is best in. And like white is the the ability to destroy enchantments. You you can never have enough of those in the deck. And the fact that this can do two other really relevant things in the game, count me in.
2: Yeah, that's the thing we talk about all the time, right? Which is you don't want a card that just says destroy an enchantment and that's all it can do, but you do want to be able to destroy enchantments. So what you want is a card that does something else but can destroy an enchantment in those instances where that's what you really need to do. This one, you also want a card that says destroy a creature. You know, this is power four or greater. It's a little bit more narrow, but at the same time, you don't want a card that only does that because that card doesn't do anything when an enchantment's the thing that's really, you know, messing you up. So versatility, super, super powerful. Yep. I definitely like working together. Uh, this next one is also on my list of top four cards in the set. It's Thalia's Lancers. We talked about it a little bit last episode. It's three and two white for a 4-4 human knight with first strike. When Thalia's Lancers enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a legendary card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So it tutors up a legendary card. Not creature, legendary card. Yeah, that's pushed. That is definitely pushed. This feels really, really interesting, and it makes you speculate to the future because I think we talked about this already, but usually these days they like to keep the color pie separate as far as what each color can tutor for. So black generally can tutor for anything. Blue, usually instance and sorceries. Red, if it tutors, there's usually a downside connected to it. It's also instance and sorcery, sort of. White is usually auras, e- equipment, artifacts. Yeah. Green is almost always just creature. Now, all of a sudden, we've opened up legendary as a thing you can tutor for. And they've had this in green before, but it feels like, oh, maybe they're playing around with the idea that that's a white uh, in white's wheelhouse for what it can tutor for, also.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great observation. Um, I love being able to sort of pick out what wizards may be trying to do with their cards. And this, yeah, I 100% agree. I think that is definitely the direction they're wanting to go here. I don't know if if someone was like, is it okay if it says legendary card? Should it just be a legendary creature? And everyone's like, ma, who knows? Let's find out. And I so, think it
2: does feel like if it said legendary creature, it feels like that should be green, right?
1: Yeah. But at, Yeah, because it's a creature tutor. But in this case, legendary card can apply to land. It can apply to artifacts. It can apply to a lot of different things here. So I'm really interested to see um, how this does if people really play it a lot in their decks. Because three white white, again, it's not super cheap for a tutor, obviously. If you're playing mm. black, you can just play you know demonic tutor and get anything or whatever. So I'm interested to see if this really catches on in decks that want to play it. Because having a five drop that tutors is pretty good and it goes straight to your hand.
2: Not to mention the 4-4 for a strike. I mean, it's it's a respectable creature. And and it's surprising how many legendary cards there are. Just think if you're in a red-white token deck, you can go find Perforos. Oh, gosh. You know, and that's the most powerful deck or card in that deck, probably. You know, so... And there's, yeah, like you said, like, you might be able to go find a legendary land, like, I don't know, Minamo or something cool like that. You know, there's... And and again it's versatility. So if you have a few legendary cards in your deck, it allows you to go find the one that's sort of right for that circumstance. Yeah. Um I obvi- I'm I'm very much looking forward to see what's going to happen with this card in the future, so. I think this is going to end up in a lot of white decks, you know, especially mono white or white uh, or boros or uh decks that that are missing the colors that really have the strong tutors. Yeah, you're going to want you're going to have a reason to play this in
1: those decks for sure. All right, right, now let's let's move on to blue. Uh, Blue has some really interesting cards. The first one up is Mind's Dilation. This has to be one of my favorite arts in the set. It's really cool looking. Another Uh, one I've pegged as top four. Yeah. Uh, Five blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts his or her first spell, each turn that player exiles the top card of his or her library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Whoa. Okay, for one an opponent so that means that around the table it's not target opponent every yep. single player is going to be affected by this except for the person that casts mind isolation.
2: Yeah, it uh, this card is super super powerful. It might be the number 1 most powerful card in the set for commander. Again, if well if you didn't understand the text, if I play mind isolation, I say go, Jimmy goes. He casts a spell, the first spell he casts each turn Then he has to mill the top card of his library. If it's not a land, I can cast it without paying its mana cost. I mill it into exile, so I don't even get it in my graveyard. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And then Craig goes, same thing happens. And then Kessler goes, same thing happens. This scales, it's like Prophet of Krufik style, like scales really well with the number of players in the game. If there's six players, you get to do this every player's turn. Unless they don't cast any spells, how often does that happen? Yeah, right. And, like, you could just hit some crazy stuff
1: (laughs) off the top, honestly. It could be Blightsteel Colossus. Like, I don't... It it just depends. Yeah, it
2: could be the new Emrakul. You cast it. You get the cast triggers. This card seems insane. This is a card we're going to be seeing a lot of out of blue decks because it's a card that where if you just play it, you're going to feel like you're in such a commanding position because the value is so high. You're cheating mana costs, and you're getting extra cards because those aren't cards you have to draw, I mean, you're probably getting three cards each rotation. Yeah, I mean, some are going to be lands, but still, yeah, you're getting you got a fifty fifty chance at getting like you know what five to six mana worth of stuff for free. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm impressed. This card's very very strong. It might be too strong. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's probably the single most powerful card for commander in in the set there's a, i mean like i said values lancers i think is up there uh deploy the gate watch under the right circumstances actually there's two more so maybe it's top five i'm I inclined really to agree are. i think there's one card in green that i think may, yeah,
1: may be maybe stronger
2: we'll have fun talking about that one um but we're still in blue for now and we're going to talk about a card that was designed by another friend of ours glenn jones yes this card also may be up there for one of the more powerful cards in the set it's very strong. It's outside the color pie a little bit, so that's probably what pushes it into the realm of, like, a little bit more crazy than you would think. It's two, It's called Imprisoned in the Moon. It's two and a blue for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature, land, or planeswalker. Enchanted permanent is a colorless land with tap, add colorless mana or diamond mana to your mana pool, and loses all other t- card types and abilities. So it's Song of the Dryads, uh, that type of card. This is in the storyline, I believe, when they trap Emrakul into the moon. Eldritch moon. There you go. And so this is the defeat of Emrakul. So Glenn got to personally defeat Emrakul. That's pretty sweet. Dude, nice job, Glenn. Sick. And this is also just an ability that Blue is pretty bad at, um, sort of permanently getting rid of something, right? Blue's good at countering it. Blue's good at bouncing it. Blue's not really good at exiling, destroying, or otherwise removing the creature in other ways. This is also really, really strong against the commander. Oh, yeah.
1: If it, if you don't have a sack outlet for your commander, it just becomes a land. And how are you going to get rid
2: of that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you, it loses all other abilities, so it's not doing any of the stuff that it's supposed to do. This is sort of the closest we now have to what Tuck used to be. Yeah. That's why you always play Greater Gargadon. You can sack anything to that guy. The only thing I would say is it unfortunately does not work against an enchantment, so it still doesn't deal with the gods, which are kind of the thing that are the hardest to deal with and Tuck was really good at before. Yeah, but this is Blue's newest way to deal with Planeswalkers, which
1: is very interesting. Usually Blue does not get that choice to uh, yeah. to literally make a
2: Planeswalker becomes, become a land. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's, re- re-
2: it's really interesting. It's really yeah. cool. This card is very powerful. Again, it's going to see a lot of play. Yeah. All right.
1: Summary dismissal is our next card. We've seen iterations of this kind of effect before. Uh, this is probably the most powerful of it ever. So it's two, and then blue, blue for an instant. Exile all other spells and counter all other abilities. So this is what you'd call a stack clearer at instant speed. So let's say someone's like, I counter that. Uh, in response, I'm going to counter that and then tap this guy to do this. Oh, in response, I'm going to do this, et etc. et cetera. Like it goes up. Before it starts resolving, you
2: just play summary Dismissal, and it's all gone. Yeah, it works good against Storm. It also is the answer to Emrakul uh yep. be, because it will also it won't just like the problem with the new emercool is that if you counter it they still take control of somebody's turn because that's a cast trigger but because that's an ability on a card summary dismissal will get rid of that pretty cool um i
1: i think this is very limited in edh you just need to have the kind of playgroup that's going to get into the situation where you're not just countering one thing with it but if you're playing like a Run deck this is 100% a card you would play in there
2: yeah, I think even like Mizzix, because it only costs blue-blue most of the time. And just right. having the added versatility of sometimes this foils a plan that they thought was going to get through the counterspell. Um, right. And also just sometimes you just want to counter an ability. So it counters a Planeswalker ability. It counters you know an ability on a land. People almost never see that coming. Yes, there's Stifle and a few other cards that do it, but they're not played super often. But because this also exists on a card that just counters a spell you can afford to play it because, you know, it's, it's an additional effect that you sometimes use but don't have to always use. Yeah,
1: pretty cool. Uh, here next- comes the, uh, the one that we always have one of these in every set, some kind of clone.
2: Yeah, this is. They've gotten really creative with their clone variants. This is no exception. It's called Identity Thief. It's two and two blue for a shapeshifter, a zero three. Whenever Identity Thief attacks, you may exile another target non token creature. If you do, Identity Thief becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn, and then return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step um what's really interesting so you attack with identity thief and you choose any non-token creature on the board not just your own so you can get rid of one of their defenders and then the identity thief becomes that card until end of turn and then their card comes back um so you don't actually exile it for good but it is exiled which is pretty interesting like not very often does a card come down and just exile something and then i mean it's kind of a flicker I Um, mean, this could be very good in your own flicker deck where you're attacking with it. It's turning into something that can attack and also flickering your guy. It can also be good at getting their, you know, big blockers out the way. You also could pair this maybe with um, some processors.
1: Yeah. And just get get rid
2: of that thing for good. Yeah, stuff that messes with things in exile. Um you know, so so you th- what you do with Identity Thief is attack, target their creature, go into exile. Identity Thief becomes a copy of that, and then you process it into their graveyard so it can't return to play. Uh, that could be good. Yeah, it could also reset creatures with a lot of counters on them.
1: Uh, yeah, good point. That, you know, just stuff that has stuff going on, and and flickering stuff, you, it'll kill a token immediately. A merit Lage token, we'll just get rid of it. Yep. Yep. Oh no, I'm sorry, non-token. I'm sorry.
2: Oh yeah, you're right. It says not token yeah. right on it. Hello, <laughs> two power. Yeah, I'm, I'm just dreaming big over here. Obviously. <laughs> uh, again, if we get any of the little rules interactions incorrect, we apologize. Uh, nobody's played with these cards yet, so we're just a lot of this is off the cuff. Yeah, totally. Um, you want to read the next one?
1: Yeah. So the next one is Coax from the Blind Eternities. Uh, quite a long name. Uh, this, this sounds is... like a James Bianca named it. I don't know. Yeah, Shot right? in the dark. John the Direct, James last now. Two in the blue for a sorcery. Uh, you may choose an Eldrazi card you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. Um, so, if you're playing with sideboards in EDH, the outside the game refers to your sideboard. I don't think I've ever met anyone that has an EDH sideboard, to be honest. But this is interesting uh, because Eldrazi, one of the best ways to get rid of an indestructible Eldrazi is to exile it. So, if you have a deck that is very focused around Eldrazi, you can just kind of, you know, you're, if you know that they're going to get exiled at some point, then coax is a really great way to get your giant
2: creature back and replay it. Yep, absolutely. And you, like you said, people run Sword Splash Hair's Path to Exile, Utter End, Anguish and Making, uh, that kind of stuff. And being able to get your huge Ulamog back is something you're often going to want to do. Uh, and some playgroups, you know, allow you to just grab you know, the Eldrazi out of one of your other decks or something you've got on you. It, it depends on each playgroup to play group, but this card could be very, very good. Not to mention, if you Identity
1: Thief your own Ulamog, you can then play this card and get it into your hand and get another cast trigger off it.
2: Yep, yep. Oh, sweet. Identity Thief, so good.
1: Yeah, a lot of time. it's funny, it's like the second time that we've had a combo of a card that combos with the card we just talked
2: about. <laughs> uh, the last blue card we're going to talk about is Unsubstantiate. It's one in a blue for an instant. It says return target, spell, or creature to its owner's hand. Cool. So it's like so a Vencer, kind of. Yeah, it's Vencer. Yeah, it has the Vencer ETB effect. Um, but it's only two mana. Yeah, this is good, efficient. It's not going to stop them from casting it again, obviously, but it will it's sort of it's very good from a tempo standpoint, right? It's two mana. Yeah. Very so. few cards in Magic's
1: history also have the target spell, returning a target spell uh, to its owner's hand.
2: Yeah. It also, like, I like having the ability in blue to get something back into people's hands. Like, you don't want to just play just a pure unsummon, usually. Because yeah. that's, again, we keep, I keep coming back to this. This is sort of a, a theme of this episode on accident, which is that versatility is good. But blue often has trouble dealing with things once they are out on the board, right? Yeah. Because they're very good at keeping things from hitting the board, but once something does, they have less ways to deal with it. And one of the ways they have is bounce, but you don't want to play pure bounce usually. You don't want to just play and unsummon. So this is a card that does something else and unsummons. And so I do think it's probably going to be playable. Yeah, and it definitely could just be one of those things that just gets you.
1: Um, being like, whoa, whoa, you just bounced the spell to my hand? Whoa, I thought you were going to counter it or whatever. And so sometimes that can be enough to really like foil someone in a situation when they're trying to do something very specific.
2: Yeah, because they're like, oh, but it costs eight mana, so that destroys my whole plan for that turn. I can't play it again, or I can't play that and another thing this turn, which I was planning to do. Yeah, yeah very good. And and again, it's in blue, so you might be thinking like, but it's card disadvantage, right? Because they keep that card. But you're in blue, you don't care so much about card advantage you're gonna have a whole bunch of cards that draw you cards so having a couple where their card disadvantage is not that bad
1: yeah and actually you want if you need just a little more time you know this is the kind of card that can get you that extra turn to draw the extra cards and then set your board up to be like cool now i have that counter spell that i needed before so yep very interesting card all right uh, let's move on to red greatest color of all time clearly <laughs> um, red's got some really interesting cards Nahiri's Wrath is the first one two and for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast Nahiri's Wrath discard X cards Nahiri's Wrath deals damage equal to the total converted mana cost of the discarded cards uh, to each of up to X target creatures and or planeswalkers so uh, this really reminded me of my Felden deck Felden's the guy that wants to play around with your graveyard uh, and there aren't too many cards that, that really throw stuff to the bin in an efficient way and the Ahiri's Wrath is this great thing to like, great, I toss 10 CMC worth of cards into the bin I can split it up to two different creatures because it was two different cards and just you can kill two things yep. so you do lose some cards it's card disadvantage in a way but if your deck's built, again, to make use of it or if you're playing like a, an artifact recursion deck then you're not really worried about that in this case and it's actually you want to get stuff in the bin so you can cast it for cheaper later on
2: and you can kill some stuff on the way out as well it is also sort of cheating of mana cost because it only costs three mana for this, but the amount of damage you can do is not dictated by the amount of mana you have. It's dictated by another resource, which is cards. Yeah. Um, so those types of things tend to be very, very powerful under the right circumstances. Like you said, it's really good if you want things in your bin anyway. Alesha's another one I could think of. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. Right off the top. And I think Mizzix, this is a pretty decent card in Mizzix because you have so many flashback cards and you have... Um, passed in flames and things that let you cast things out of the graveyard that you could really, for one red mana, get rid of a lot of the creatures on the board and not really lose any cards because you can use those again. And also, often with decks like Mizzix, you just happen to be holding 30 cards, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. And you want to be able to deal with stuff in the
1: interim before you get your final game-winning combo off with Mizzix. So being able to take care of that pesky whatever is usually a a game-winner for you.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times the thing that Mizzix fears the most is a bunch of little things. So this can get rid of like a whole bunch of little stuff. Who doesn't fear a bunch of little things? <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Emrakul, clearly, a bunch of
1: little zombies. He's scared. Yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She, she, I mean, I was uh, I was always afraid of Chucky, that doll. Yeah, little. Oh my gosh, terrifying.
2: Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back! <laughs> oh God, don't! I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. <laughs> uh, the next one is Mirror Wing Dragon, three and two red for a creature, dragon, a four-five flyer. Uh, why do I get the ones with all the text? Okay, whenever a <laughs> whenever and here's Wrath had a lot of text too. Come on, whatever. Uh, whenever, <laughs> a, <laughs> whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Mirror Wing Dragon, that player copies that spell for each other creature he or she controls that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So it's a little bit like Zada. Hedron Grindr. Yeah, the thing is, there's some interesting stuff going on. So if a player tries to cast, like, you know, swords to plowshares on Mirroring Dragon, they'll also cast swords to plowshares on all their own creatures.
1: Yep. (laughs) That's crazy. A lot of people misread this being like, oh, okay, it's got a downside because it's, well, efficient costed. It's like, no, no, no. Everyone that tries to target with something that it just kills all their own stuff.
2: Right. Now if they have a card that's like a cantripy card, like, you know, a card that gives a creature plus one plus zero and draw a card, mm-hmm. and they cast that on Mirror Winged Dragon, now all of a sudden they get to draw a card for each creature they have. However, not a lot of decks run cards like those. You're if you're running Mirrorwing Dragon, you're more likely to have that card because you're probably playing Shuyun or Zada as your commander. Yeah. And so it's just way more in your favor than theirs. Because most single target things people have are removal. They don't have combat tricks generally. It's just not something that, that commander decks run. I'm trying to think if you're playing like a mono white deck
1: and Mirrorwing Dragon's out and you have a bunch of tokens, if you pass to exile Mirror Wing Dragon, you just
2: fetch out like 10 lands. It might be totally, <laughs> that might be totally worth it in that instance. It's just like super ramp. Yeah. I could see like Craig having like an infect card. And just oh. giving all his dudes infect, and you're like, crap. You know, obviously there's gonna be times where it might bite you, but in general, this seems super powerful and the type of card that in Zada, in Shu Yun, in that type of deck could yeah, just you're the one that's gonna be making the best of it too. Yeah. So it, but it's gonna lead to some sweet stories. Because oh, yeah. you're where your opponents are like, Well, this is not why this card is in this deck, but with mirroring out I'm gonna do this weird thing. Yeah. I like it. I like
1: mirroring yeah. dragon great art as well uh next up we have the the bedlam reveler this was <clears throat> this was translated as uh chaos reveler I they probably too many cards that sound like that so this is a uh, six red red for a three four you're like wait what a second hold on but Bedlam Reveler the reveler, reveler costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard as prowess so it gets plus one, plus one whenever you're casting non-creature spell Until telling the term. More importantly, when Bedlam Reveler enters the battlefield, discard your hand and draw three cards. This is red card draw. Yep. So it, this could cost red, red in like a Mizzix deck. You have zero cards in your hand. You draw this. You play it. You draw three cards.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I doubt you'll play it in Mizzix. So you're more likely to play it in some sort of mono red deck, but those decks yeah. do run out of gas, and this is a good way to just get some more gas and get something back out onto the To the uh, table, And also when you're incentivized to play it later when you've had a chance to put more instants and sorceries in your graveyard. Yeah, uh, Felden, again, another
1: card that loves this because if this just sits in your graveyard and you're you're top decking, you can just bring this back and just draw three cards off it. And that seems incredibly powerful to me.
2: Yeah, uh, this card, definitely any card in red that draws you cards is going to need, be something you need to look at because it's just an ability that red really needs. This is actually, I think, probably sneakily better than it looks. Yeah, I agree.
1: I I think people are going to underrate it at first and then sort of miss the bottom part, which it says discard your hand, draw three cards, which is just, again, something that red doesn't have access to card draw, and this is something you definitely easily abuse, especially because at the point that you cast this, your hand might be very
2: low. Yeah, or it could just be like, you know, you have two lands in it that you don't need or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to have zero cards. You could have one or two cards that you just don't need right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, the next one used to be called United Resistance, but that was the translation. It's actually called Collective Defiance. I like Collective Defiance better. Sure. United Defiance? Collective <laughs> Resistance? I mean, that's really interchangeable. Collective Company. collective defiance is the real name sorry to confuse you it's one red red for a sorcery it has escalate one so escalate cost is one generic mana says choose one or more target player discards all cards in his or her hand then draws that many cards collective defiance deals four damage to target creature or collective defiance deals three damage to target opponent Really being able to kill a creature and then Wheel of Fortune, sort of. It's more winds of change, I suppose. Um, it's only for one player. It's, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. That you can it's, only
1: target one person.
2: It's pretty good. Um, there's some shenanigans people have been talking about online, like putting Spirit of the Labyrinth out and then Collective Defiancing somebody, which says you can't draw more than one card each turn. So, Oh, God. <laughs> you make them discard their hand, basically. Brilliant. Uh Brilliant that kind of stuff. There's other. There's, I'm sure there's other combos with it. Again, versatility is very, very strong. Uh, it only does four damage, but that kills most utility creatures. I, I think it's playable. Yeah, it's definitely playable. Um, you know, Four damage will kill
1: Oracle of Moldiah. That's a yep. card that I'm always like, you need to get rid of it. Back in the day, Prophet of Cruvix was another card that you always had to get rid of, so I enjoy it. Yep. I give it a playable. I give it a Jimmy as the Red Mage enjoys this card.
2: This card has been rated P for playable. P for playable.
1: All right. (laughs) Next up, our final red card is Harmless Offering. The cutest art in the set by far. Look at that kitty. But it has a snake tail. Yeah, that tail's a little upsetting. Uh, Two and a red for a sorcery. Target opponent gains control of target target permanent you control. So you just give someone the permanent you control. Uh, There are lots of permanents in the game that people don't want. For instance, Demonic Pact is one that we've been talking about in Standard. Yeah, that's that thing a, away. That's a some... crazy
2: one. After you've used it for three turns.
1: Hey, by the way, you lose the game now. <laughs> okay, thanks. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I'm sure there's a lot of other cards out there that uh, go really well with this. Make sure you guys tweet at us if you think of any that we missed.
2: I mean, all those cards are in the Zedru deck anyway. So yeah, exactly. Those are the – like this just goes right in there. Those kind of group hugs, give gifts-type decks, they exist, and – this card goes right in there. All right. It's time for potentially more most powerful cards in the set. Yeah, there's at least two in green that are in the running. Um, but we're going to start with stunning regrowth. Splendid reclamation. Is that what it got changed <laughs> yeah. to? That's why, as I was saying it, I'm like, oh, crap. It's not it's not called that. Um, This is, again, this is top five, I think. Yeah. So, this card is, uh, I can't believe this card exists now. Yeah, it might be. Again, it's in the running. It might be mind mine dilation uh, powerful. I'm not sure. Splendid reclamation three and a green for a sorcery. Very simple. Return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Wow. Wow. I, uh, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> Lands, not basic, not non-basic. Just every land you got. Just go. All ahead and of toss them. It in
2: there. All of them that are in the graveyard, you just bring into the battlefield tapped. Yeah. This seems. It uh, seems really, really powerful. I mean, of course, obviously, like, Gitrog is trying to dump lands into the graveyard. There's Titania that's sacking her own lands. But just sell any self-mill deck, like um, like BDM's uh, Sadisi spider spawning deck is just self-milling like crazy to get other things in the graveyard. But it's, of course, going to incidentally put a lot of lands in there because, you know, a third to 40% of your deck is lands. So... If you yeah. just fire this off on turn nine or ten, you might just get ten lands into play or something crazy. This By card, turn four, yeah, Hermit Druid, of course. Oh my gosh, uh, this card seems really, 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 really good. And just fetch lands like Splendid Reclamation to be playable, you only have to get two lands off it because that's just two lands into play tapped, right? That's yeah. just that's it's just like- explosive vegetation. Yep. So if you get two fetch lands and then play Splendid Reclamation, you get the two fetch lands back into play because you had to sack them to go get the lands. So just right there, very simple to do, and it's fine. Well, if it's anything above that and it's better than Explosive Vegetation, which is a ubiquitous card played in almost all green decks, that's how good this card is.
1: Yeah, it just gets better and better. and. When, when it gets to the point where if your deck's abusing this wants to put cards in graveyard my Tasker deck is going to love this yep. card yep. you just get out of the control you just have all the mana in the world
2: pretty nuts the five color lands deck I'll talk oh, about boy. that I promise on the cast at some point this card's insane in that deck this, that deck will put you know 40 lands into play by turn 10 sometimes uh, and a bunch of them are going to the graveyard too because they're fetch lands you know it has every single fetch land this card will just be insane in that deck I'm telling you this might be the best card in the set. It's it's very possible that it is. Um,
1: yeah. All right. Especially for the cost. Next up, Permeating Mass. <laughs> this card is just bizarre. It's a green for a 1-3 creature spirit. Whenever Permeating Mass deals combat damage to a creature, that creature becomes a copy of Permeating Mass. So That's awesome. It, it's just like this crazy thing if you can give it indestructible and start blocking with it everything on the battlefield is eventually going to turn into permeating mass even if it dies though it changes one thing into it and then that creature is going to pass on to something else if that creature
2: doesn't die then you've got two permeating masses you just going to go on and on and on and on yeah that's the thing i think people didn't realize was you turn the creature that it dealt damage to into permeating mass and then that now there's two permeating masses that can change things into permeating mass and then you know it just dominoes from there I wish it wasn't combat damage because then you could put it in like a Tim type deck where of you course. give it like the ability to ping, but still pretty awesome. Sounds yeah, sounds a little too dream, dream fulfillment right there. Yeah, I know. Who wouldn't want to fulfill people's dreams, Jimmy? Duh. <laughs> uh, yeah, super cool card. I don't, I don't actually think it's that good, but whatever. It's just fun. I, it's yeah, kind of like fun. perplexing
1: chimera-esque kind of like status
2: of troll. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like... Perplexing chimera is amazing. True.
1: I don't give that card enough enough credit. That
2: card is one of the more sh- the stronger commander cards. Uh, important important tip, everyone. Okay, the next one is Emrakul's Evangel. It's two in a green for a creature, human horror. It's a three two. It says tap, sacrifice, Emrakul's Evangel. Evangel's a hard word to say. Tap and sacrifice <laughs> it, and any number of other non Eldrazi creatures. And then you put a 3-2 colorless Eldrazi horror creature onto the battlefield for each creature sacrificed this way. So you can basically turn all your tokens into 3-2s rather than 1-1s. One, Give them haste. Boom. You've got
1: you've got a much bigger army than your little 1-1 one, one squirrels running around. We're going to do for you. Yeah. Yeah. 3-2 is significant. It's three times the amount of damage than a 1-1. One, one, and it can really get... I mean, like, this is a game winner, right? You do this at instant speed before your turn starts even to give them haste
2: yeah that's true they have
1: virtual haste that way boom you've got an army of three twos and uh i mean if you even have like concordant crossroads out for four man you play this and concordant crossroads everyone didn't think you had lethal now you definitely do
2: yeah that's a good point like you had 21 ones and they're like "Well, okay that's a little bit scary but you know we can block a few and it does 20 damage and then you go boom, boom. it's it's similar to what crater hoof behemoth would do right not as yeah. good not as good Nothing will ever be as good as Crater Daddy. That I hope guy. not. If they make a card as good as Crater Hoof, we're in trouble.
1: They kinda got a little close, but not even not even. Th- thank goodness. Let's let's just Crater Hoof can be the only one that's that good. That's fine. Alright. Here is the other potential best card in the set. Eldritch Evolution. One green green. It's the new Natty Order. Uh, Sorcery as an additional cost to cast Eldritch Evolution. Sacrifice a creature. Oh, that's a downside. I I don't think we can play this card anymore, Josh. (laughs) Uh, So, the second part of the text. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less, where X is 2 plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Exile Eldritch Evolution. So, that's a a downside there. The card goes away forever when you use it once. But you can turn a 3-drop into a 5-drop, a 5-drop into a 7-drop. It's it's, for a one-shot use, better than, um, uh, what's that artifact? Uh, Birthing Pod. Birthing Pod.
2: Yeah, that's the thing I think a lot of people are saying, like, ah, it's not that much better than Birthing Pod. There's a couple of things going on where I do think, in, in a lot of circumstances, it will be. Obviously, Birthing Pod's reusable, so it it's it's better in longer games. But as far as, like, as a game-winner, finisher-type deal, not, uh, Eldritch Evolution is super powerful because it says... When you sacrifice the creature, it says you can search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it into the battlefield. So let's compare it. There's two cards that are obviously compared to it, right? Natural Order and Birthing Pot. Natural Order has the upside that it doesn't care about what the converted mana cost of the creature is, but you can only go get a green creature. So the amount of creatures that you can go get is just naturally not as good, right? You can't go get... I don't know, New Emrakul, which by the way, you wouldn't get the cast trigger, so maybe you don't want to do that. And then the other card it's compared to is Birthing Pod, which is an artifact that costs three Anaphorexian green mana, and then it costs one Anaphorexian green mana to uh, activate, and you tap the birthing pod sacrifice creature search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creatures converted mana cost and then put that card into play. So if you sacrifice a two casting cost, you go to three, three, you go to four, blah, 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 but, but you don't has to be that number. Yes, exactly. And so that I think that's what people are forgetting is that Eldritch evolution lets you turn your creature that you've got on the battlefield into something that's within a range of converted mana cost. So you're, versatility is so much greater because you don't... Like, you sack a 5-drop, you can go get 7 or less. You don't have to get a 7-drop exactly.
1: Yep. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like that because sometimes I'll do it and be like, I don't actually know what I'm looking for, and be like, oh,
2: cool, I can choose all three of these. Right. etc. And so it's doing a bunch of stuff that we always say is powerful. First of all, tutoring, very powerful. It tutors it directly onto the battlefield, and it does cheat mana cost because it only cares about cmc and you get you know two above whatever you sacrifice also think about all the creatures that cost like multiple colors of mana and maybe you don't have to worry about that when you use eldritch evolution uh anyway this card we're going to be finding new uses for it and little combos for it uh for years to come i think it's very very strong yeah yeah I agree. Uh,
1: anyway, let's move on to colorless slash Eldrazi. Uh, technically, these actually do have colors because in their text box, they have a color symbol, but otherwise they look colorless. Um, the first one is the uh, Crater Hoof Wannabe, I guess. The Right. Crater Drazi behemoth. Crater Drazi. Uh, it's the 10-drop Decimator of the Provinces. It's a 7-7 Eldrazi boar, and it has Emerge, the first card we've seen with Emerge now. Uh, you can pay this spell. You can cast this spell by sacrificing a creature and paying the emerge cost reduced by that creature's converted mana cost. So the emerge cost in this case is six green, 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 which is one less CMC than 10. However, uh, you can sacrifice a six drop and only play green, green, green for this, which is pretty powerful because when you cast Decimator of the Provinces, creatures you control get plus two, plus two and gain trample until end of turn. And Decimator himself or herself has trample and haste. So it's, for three mana, it's, it's defi- not bad. It's
2: definitely a fair crater of behemoth.
1: Yeah, way, way more fair. Because you can't attack with that creature you just sacrificed. Uh, especially if it's a six drop, it's going to be pretty big in general. So yeah. it's a fair Crater Hoof. It's still really cool. Um, and I think if you're trying to play an Overrun-esque deck,
2: you're going to play this card anyway. Yeah, I think one of the issues is that in, in decks that want to go wide, they generally don't have a creature that's going to reduce the casting cost of this guy very much. Yeah. But they will you know, have a lot of ways to generate a lot of mana. So. Yeah, they might just be able to pay the 10 mana or the 6 green, green, green. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, a lot of decks that have Craterhoof maybe might want two versions of Craterhoof. Um, or Craterhoof's not super cheap, so you this is a good, like, budget alternative. Because I don't think it's going to be super expensive. It's not going to, I mean, I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem very uh, constructed playable to me. mm mm-hmm. I agree. Just the green, green, green makes it pretty tough. Yeah, you have to be pretty mono green to really get that going. Maybe an elf deck could see
1: this, but even then they just don't have enough creatures to sacrifice that are high CMC enough to make it worth it to be able to cast something this huge.
2: Yeah, although elf decks do make a ton of mana. I don't know. We don't know enough about those formats to be able to say, but it feels like it'll be probably not as expensive as Crater of Behemoth. Yeah. Um, The next one is Elder Deep Fiend. Also has Emerge. So it's an eight eight, uh, generic mana. For a 5-6 flash. It also has Emerge 5 and 2 blue. So again, you can sacrifice a creature and then you can subtract that CMC from 5 and 2 blue and pay the remainder. When you cast Elder Deep Fiend, tap up to 4 target permanents. Sweet. It's good. It's good at getting stuff out of the way. I think the casting cost is not as crazy, right? So if you... Sacrifice a three-drop. It's five mana to tap four permanents. Yeah, four alone... permanents is
1: not non-lands either. You can get their lands. You can get their artifacts. Um, it's also got flash, so you can do it on like their upkeep or whatever, and force them yes. to not be. You take an, an entire turn off or not swing
2: with that thing that's going to kill you. This can often have a time walk sort of effect if you do it at certain times, and definitely can stop the threat that's going to swing and kill you. You know, for that turn. Um,
1: yeah you can also use this being like hey you want to kill that guy this turn i can tap down
2: all four of his things right now check it yep 100 so. or if they've got like maze of it or some stuff that you're having trouble dealing with you can get down for that one turn yeah yeah i, I think awesome. this card this card is going to be a little bit better than people think it's not like the most super powerful broken thing but it's it's probably fringe playable
1: yeah and uh, kessler from the masters of modern uh created the shriek maw combo with this if you cast a card with evoke it actually has to enter the battlefield before you sacrifice it. So in that moment with Flash, you can then cast uh, Shriek Maw, uh, or you can cast something like Elder Deep fiend, sacrificing the creature you evoke. So you pay two mana to evoke a 5-CMC creature out, and you get the full discount with Elder Deep Fiend.
2: Oh, really? That works that way?
1: Yeah, because evoke wow. enters the battlefield, stays there for a second before getting sacrificed.
2: Oh, evoke, yeah, 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 you're right. So Moldrifter with this would be really good too. And that Yeah, kind of exactly. Stuff. Yeah. That's so. another way, like we said, you can get a creature onto the battlefield. You didn't pay what its CMC is. So the cheating of mana costs, here we go. Very nice. Uh okay. On oh, to the yeah. artifacts.
1: Artifacts. So yeah, the first one we have, very interesting card. Cryptolith Fragment. Also drawn by John Avon. We haven't seen too much of his art recently. Uh Cryptolith Fragment is a three-drop, enters the battlefield tapped. And then you can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Each player loses one life. And it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if each player has 10 or less life, transform Cryptolith Fragment. And it turns into Aurora of Emrakul, which is a 1-4 flying Death Touch Eldrazi reflection. Whenever it attacks, each opponent loses three life. So I, I like that this is a mana rock that can fix your mana, but it also creates a little bit of an inevitability, which is kind of nice. It just slowly pings people and kills them. And then eventually could potentially turn it into this one four. I think in commander though, for the most part, it's just going to be a mana rock that, that can
2: ping people. Yeah, which is super annoying actually to just lose five or six life to their mana rock. Yeah, and th- that will add up. Um, also,
1: if you're playing a-, a deck like Rakdos, Lord of Riots, it requires people to have lost life. So this oh, is another really good point to ramp yourself and also sort of benefit off of that ability.
2: Yeah, really good point. I didn't think of that, but that's super good in that deck.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's an uncommon, so it's not anything like crazy special, but I thought it was definitely worth mentioning. It's just a very interesting design for a card.
2: Yeah, me likey. I like. Uh, The next one is Soul Separator. It was our preview card. We talked about it a whole bunch a couple episodes back. Uh, You can go find that. I'm going to read it here really quick in case you missed that episode. We won't talk about it a lot. It's three mana for an artifact that says pay five, tap sacrifice the Soul Separator, exile target creature from your graveyard. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that card, except it's a 1-1. It's a spirit in addition to its other types, and it has flying. Put a black zombie creature token onto the battlefield with power equal to that card's power and toughness equal to that card's toughness. So you, sac- you, you take a creature in your graveyard, you exile it, and then you make a 1-1 flyer with that card's abilities, and then a zombie with that card's power and toughness. Yeah, kind of cool. Uh, again this with tree of perdition is hilarious sweet because the yeah the one one flyer actually has the ability so you tap it and turn people's life total to one i like it uh okay moving
1: on to multicolored we only have one spell here uh, obviously we already talked about Tomio, uh but this and and, and geese and garolf so the spell here is spell queller i think this is more of just a kind of a modern playable card but spirits keeps getting these awesome cards and they all have flash uh, so this is one white and a blue for a 2-3 Flash Flying Spirit. When Spell Queller enters the battlefield, exile target spell with converted mana cost four or less. And when Spell Queller leaves the battlefield, the exiled card's owner may cast that card without paying its mana cost. So it's like a counter spell in a lot of ways uh, for four or less, but you get this sweet 2-3 flyer. But when they do eventually get rid of Spell Queller or bounce it, they get to cast that card for free. Or it could even be your own spell, honestly.
2: Yeah, I could see a situation where you play a spell, they counter it, they go to counter it, and then you play Spell Queller to sort of take your spell and put it in reserve for later. Yeah,
1: and also taking a counterspell with this is hilarious because when they do get rid of Spell Queller, then they're able to cast, what, a counterspell? Can't but do that won't any do anything.
2: Yeah, it won't do anything. Won't do anything <laughs>
1: at that point for them.
2: Yeah, it's a really good to take a counterspell with. You're, actually, you're right, yeah.
1: Yeah, so again, a very interesting card. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it now. I think Spirits, Blue-White Spirits, is going to be a deck in Modern very, very soon.
2: Uh, spirits deck may be a good commander deck you know there's they've gotten a lot of powerful cards over the last couple of sets yeah i agree okay let's go on to the lands there's only two that we're going to talk about we already talked about uh hanvir battlements um so gyre reach sanitarium is a legendary land you could find this with Thalia's lancers you tap it to add diamond mana or colorless mana to your mana pool or you can pay two and tap it and each player draws a card then discards a card Interesting. Making everyone draw a discard. If someone has zero cards in hand, guess what?
1: They're discarding that card they drew.
2: Yeah, I just think this card is powerful, especially in something like Boros, where everybody's going to have more card draw than you anyway. Also, if you like things in your graveyard, it's going to be unlikely that all the decks you're playing against also like things in their graveyard. So it's going to be more upside for you than for the rest of the decks. I think that also, you know, we're going to be looking for ways to produce colorless mana depending on what cards we've got, like Eldrazi Displacers and things like that. And this is a pretty good one. Yeah, I like it. It's very interesting design, again, as well, because it seems like it benefits
1: everyone, but you're not going to be playing it in a spot where you're not benefiting the most and other people are potentially suffering because of it. Yep. All right, last card of the set we're going to talk about today. Nephalia Academy. It's a land. If a spell or an ability an opponent controls causes you to discard a card, you may reveal that card and put it on the top of your library instead of putting it anywhere else, and you can tap it for a colorless mana, a diamond mana. So yeah, just nice utility land. Um, I don't know how many discard effects people run in EDH, but this is nice that it's on a land. So you can just still you know tap the land to do stuff, and it also has this added-on ability where it sort of protects you against uh, mass discard or random discard like Himda et cetera.
2: Yeah, and I think there are discard decks, so if one of those exists in your meta, this is something to look at. Um, if, if you don't see a lot of discard effects, obviously this is a card that you just don't want to even play at all. Yep, sounds good to me. All right, time for To the Listeners, Yeah, where we ask the listeners a question so that you guys can give us some feedback uh, about, you know, we like to, this is kind of like our informal data gathering process sometimes too. Yeah. Um, So the question is, what cards are you most excited about from Eldritch Moon? And also, what cards did maybe we miss so that you are saying like, guys, this card's really powerful. You didn't talk about it. Um, Maybe we missed something.
1: Yeah. I'm sure we missed some stuff. There's obviously a couple things we just purposely didn't mention because we thought maybe like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we don't need to talk about that. But if we're wrong, if you think we're wrong about it, let us let us know ASAP. You can tweet at us at CommandCast or send us an email at CommandCast at RocketJump.com.
2: Also, the comment section on RocketJump.com or YouTube, also very, very good. We will try to respond to as many of those as possible. Yeah, and we definitely read all of the comments
1: regardless. So don't worry. Your voice is always heard. We read every email that comes to We may not respond to everything, but we get our eyes
2: on it. All right, don't forget, the show is sponsored by Card Kingdom. You can go to Card Kingdom. They are your best place to go for all your magic needs. Right now, you can pre-order all this Eldritch Moon awesomeness. Make sure to use the the uh, URL cardkingdom.com slash command zone so that they can track all the awesome listeners that we're sending their way. And make sure to enter the Keys to the Kingdom contest that we're running on Twitter right now, also sponsored by Card Kingdom. We're giving away three packs of Eternal Masters every single day for sixteen days. Follow us at Command Cast and uh we'll give details every single day about how to enter. Yeah, that is a
1: lot of packs of EMA. And yeah, please if you do win, tweet us what you opened up. Because, oh yeah, hey, let us
2: let us live vicariously. I wanna see those foil force of wills. Come on.
1: Yeah, I only see some awesome, awesome stuff, so please, please send them down. All right. Let's move on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. I will just briefly say this. It's on everyone's mind. It's Pokemon Go. Oh, my gosh. Nintendo's stock rose 8.84% after Pokemon Go released. Really? Just in the, like the
2: couple days? Yep, just in a couple of days. This it's... app is creating craziness. It's insane. It is... You can actually literally, if you're in like malls or crowded areas, you can you can very easily look around and be like, "That person's playing Pokemon Go." Oh, that person's playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, well, I'm actually. I saw go people ahead,
1: walking around like campuses and stuff on Snapchat, being
2: like, "Oh yeah, yeah let's let's go uh, <laughs> do this." I'm actually but... sitting on the couch last night with my girlfriend, and she looks. She goes, "You want to go for a walk?" We well, listen. We've been together for like eight years. She's never said, "Do you want to go for a walk?" I'm like, "What? What a walk? Why?" She's like. I want to go catch some Pokemons. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemons, plural. I guess nice. so. <laughs> I got to get all the Pokemans.
1: Please. I got to get
2: all those Pokemons. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy. People are like walking outside and like randomly, like it's, it's actually kind of nuts. I've seen people, I've heard stories of people getting mugged as well because you're just walking out with their phone in front of their face, not paying attention to where they're going.
2: Yeah. Be safe out there. Don't get hit by a car. Don't walk into some, you know, bad areas of town. Just be, be safe about it. But it does look fun. Yeah, and here's the craziest story. Apparently, a
1: Wyoming teen stumbles upon a dead body while they were playing Pokemon Go because it was in a I
2: think a, in a river or something. Yeah, I saw that headline too. That is insanity. Um, so I guess Pokemon Go also helps us solve cold cases?
1: Yeah, at the very least it gets more humanized out in the world and like witnessing the world and hey, you know, if it's getting more people outside, then freaking go for it, man. That's awesome yeah just look up from the
2: phone regularly it's kind of like checking the mirrors as you're driving
1: yeah don't just walk blindly into traffic
2: or whatever please be very careful if you're playing pokemon go out in the wild okay time for the cleanup step make sure to check out our sister podcast the masters of modern alex and ben talk about modern as a format and all things competitive magic you can find them on twitter at the mmcast and you can listen to their show on rocketjump.com under the podcast tab That's right.
1: And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. You guys can check out full videos that shows all the card images, the card images we talk about as well when we're talking about cards from the set and all the things we reference. You can find that at youtube.com slash thecommandzonepodcast. And we have awesome intros and video like cool animated cards thanks to jeffrey palmer who graciously provided them for the show you can find him online on twitter at living cards mtg so make sure you check that out especially for the set reviews it's really helpful to see the cards as we're talking about them
2: all right jimmy good luck uh i mean awesome job thank at the pre-release thank you thank you so much i'm I- assuming that you won the entire thing
1: you know, I really hope so. I don't know if my decks going to get there. Some some other people are opening some cool pools, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how I do. No excuses. Command zone, represent. Command zone, kick some butt. We did it. I won. I I think <laughs> I won. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace.